Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning, Journey. My name is Keith Walton. I'm the campus pastor at our Sherwood campus. Whether you're watching in the auditorium, in the atrium, online, or back home in my stumping ground down at Sherwood, we say welcome. We're excited that you are here. We're starting a brand new series today, so I'm excited. I've been entrusted to kick it off, so I'm excited about that. Um, The brand new series is called Love Your Neighbor. Sounds simple, but we mess it up all the time. This entire month, we'll be looking at how we can better love the people we come in contact with. Um, When I was first tasked with this, all I could think about was the song that was on Sesame Street. I believe it was Sesame Street. We are the people in your neighborhood. We're the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. We're the people that you meet each day. Why is it so difficult for us, though, to love our neighbors? Today, we're going to look at uh, a a very familiar parable Uh, In God's word, if you grew up in church at all, you've heard this parable probably a thousand times. It's found in Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. And it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Right out the back, he wrong. Like, literally, I know this is about to go south from the very beginning. Why in the world would you test the Messiah. But we'll go ahead and continue to read. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. Part two, why it went wrong. There's no need to justify yourself in Christ. Christ has done that for you. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Everybody said, everybody say the other side. Everybody say the other side. Joker just literally crossed the street. Unbelievable. And when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. Everybody say the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these... 
three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to dig into your word. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity that your word will impact us. Heavenly Father, right now I ask us, I ask that you allow our ears to be open so that we may hear your word, our minds to be open, that we may understand your word, our eyes to be open, that we may see your word, our mouth to be open, that we may speak your word. But more than that, Heavenly Father, that our heart be open, that your word be planted there and grow up in mighty harvest. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to be very transparent with you guys. There were multiple people in this particular story. And at some point in my life, I've been all of them. I've been all of them. I've been the victim. I've been the Levite. I've been, I've been the Samaritan. And as you read, as I share with you, will you please picture yourself in different seasons of your life where you may have been one of these? I've not always had an eye to see or a heart to see. We sang that song just a little while ago, Open Up the Eyes of My Heart. That's where compassion is. I've not always been a compassionate person. As a matter of fact, I know exactly when there was a shift in my life. <clears throat> where I'd taken a group of seniors out to California on a field trip, and we literally went to Compton. We went to Watts. I knew what to expect there. We were on uh, Rodeo Drive. And, and we're going down the road, and it's like this dark cloud just came over us, and we switched streets. We went from Rodeo Drive to Skid Row. Now, total transparency, I've always thought Skid Row was an 80s band, and then I realized, no, it's actually a street, and it's horrific. I, I was in the van and I was, not in sh I was not in awe of wonder. I was in shock and awe that people actually live like this. We're literally swerving the van in and out, not trying to miss or trying to miss cardboard boxes that have been made homes that are literally staggered in the street. I had no idea. Prior to this, if I would have seen somebody that was Without a home, I would say, you know what? It's their fault they ended up there. I literally would have crossed the street. When I was talking about this particular message today, I went to Tracy, our outreach pastor, and I, I told him, I said, man, I'm looking. I, I read this story a long time ago of a pastor that dressed up like a homeless person and he was just hired by this particular church, and he sat on the steps of the church. And as the church members were going by, they didn't say anything to him. And Tracy looked at me and said, stop. Man, when I was a youth pastor, and we had youth church and Wednesday night service at the church where I was working at, I taught on this particular message. And one of my youth members got dressed up, tore his clothes, put mud all over his face, ketchup that looked like blood, and he literally sat in the parking lot as cars were driving by. Right when it's time for them to start church, Tracy told me, he said, "My the young man comes to me with tears in his eyes. He said, not one church member stopped to check on me to see if I'm okay. 
Not one church member asked if I was all right. Not one church member. They all crossed the street to the other side. My question that I will ask you today that I would like you to ponder is what kind of neighbor are you to those around you? What kind of neighbor are you to those around you? And then number two, what needs to change in your life so that you can be a better neighbor? What needs to change in your life so that you can be a better neighbor? If you would, let's unpack this passage. Let's talk about the priest and the Levite. God's word says in Luke 10, 31 through 32, it says a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. The priest and the Levite both did not show any empathy to the individual, to the victim that was wounded and was hurt. As a matter of fact, they were very apathetic towards him. They they were comfortable neighbors. I'm not going to get out my comfort zone and deal with that situation right there. Let me just swerve it and go to the other side of the street as if, if I moved to the other side of the street, this did not happen. They were on their way home. They were not going to work, so they, they weren't late for anything. But they could not take the time to help this man. They were comfortable having knowledge with no action. They were comfortable knowing all the priestly things to do, all the biblical things to do, but there was no action. One of the things that we talk about, and I, and I say this on stage probably every Sunday when we dismiss, and I talk about how much I love our church because our church is not just a noun. It's, just, it's not a person. It's not just a place. Absolutely not a thing. It's also a verb. It's a place of action. There's a place of action. We actually roll up our sleeves here and we do something about it. But I can tell you, I have been this Levite. I have been this priest. I have looked upon those that were struggling with an apathetic heart. As a matter of fact, when I get off of Bobby Jones Expressway at the Sam's exit, there's generally at the end of the road, at that light, a man holding a sign, saying that he will work for food, that he's hungry, that he's a veteran. And I literally, I get caught by the light every time. And as I'm caught by the light, I'm hoping he don't see me. I'm I'm acting like I'm invisible. And I absolutely am acting like I don't see him. And I do it over and over and over again. And it's not right. It's not right. If you've driven down Washington Road towards the Krispy Kreme in that area, and everybody in here knows exactly where I'm about to go with this, full of individuals that are struggling. How many of you have been the priest and the Levite? Well, you drive right by them, hoping they don't see you because you absolutely don't see them. And in true confession, I've been that person. I've been the priest and the Levite. I showed no compassion towards this homeless individual. 
And God has called us to be more than that. When Journey opened up the Sherwood campus, one of the things that I would always say, I say, it's called Journey Community Church. My heart went out to everyone in the community where the church was. There's a lot of different levels of poverty where the church is. But the worst level of poverty might be those individuals that were living under the Windsor Spring Road Bridge. They're not there any longer. The Richmond County Task Force moved them out. But I came back and I said, you know, we're called Journey Community Church. And believe it or not, those individuals are in my community. So our arms are open towards them. And if you ever came down to visit the campus, there are homeless individuals that attend church service down there. It's the most amazing thing ever. And we're truly thankful that God saw fit for us to plant a church there that can be an impact to the community. The Samaritan in this particular story that we find in Luke 10, verses 33 through 35, the majority of us would love to be this individual in the story. But a lot of times we are not, or in certain seasons we are. Luke 10, 33 through 35 says, but a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. The first thing that brings, that that God brought to my attention was that the Samaritan saw him. But so did the priest, and so did the Levite. The priest and the Levite saw him with their eyes. But the Samaritan saw him with his heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart that we're literally seeing that unfold in this story. So no, the Samaritan did not cross to the other side. The Samaritan did not swerve to try to avoid him. The Samaritan saw him with his heart and had compassion on him. And that is a powerful word, compassion. We're in a world today where compassion looks like it's being stripped away. I can only help you if you meet these certain qualifications. I can only help if you're the same race as me. I can only help if you're the same political party as me. I can only help if you're the same thought process as me. I can, but that's not what God's word said. As a matter of fact, the Samaritan should have been the least likely to help the victim. The Samaritan based on cultural standards, were frowned upon. They, nobody liked them. They were called half-breeds. But the Samaritan is who Jesus used in this parable. The, the Samaritan saw him with his eyes and his heart. The Samaritan was not in a hurry. Man, the Samaritan was methodical in his caring for the victim. God's word said he's, he wrapped, he cleaned and wrapped his wounds. He poured oil and wine. 
He put him on his donkey. That would be equivalent to us picking up the man that's at the end of the road or at, at Sam's at the stoplight and putting him in your car. He didn't know him. But he wasn't in a hurry. He was full of and filled with compassion. He gave what he could and more. Not only did he take care of his wounds, not only did he give oil and wine, which were both precious commodities back then, he also went in his pocket and gave denarii to the innkeeper and said, if he runs up a tab, I got it. What kind of amazing heart is this? So I begin to pray and contemplate, and I go, Lord, have I ever been the Samaritan? Have I, have I ever done something for someone, didn't care about the credit, didn't care if they knew my name, and then drop, God dropped uh, uh, an, an example into my spirit. Uh, one Christmas, it's funny, we're getting ready to do this now. One Christmas, me and my wife decided that we weren't going to exchange Christmas gifts. And at this time, I was a PE teacher at one of the private schools in the area. And uh, one of the students comes up to me, and he was like, you know, uh, me and my family, my family's struggling. We're not going to have a Christmas this year. Um, he was the youngest of two other siblings, so the youngest of three. Uh, mom had went through a divorce and used up all the money paying for lawyers, this and that, and Christmas just isn't going to happen at all. And um, I went home told my wife about this. We prayed about it. And I said, how about this? Whatever we were going to do for Christmas, let's do it for this family. And I said, man, let's take it up a notch. I'll find out from the mom what their heart's desire was or is. So I called the mom up, told her what we were going to do. Of course, she told me no. I insisted. She told me no. I said, I really don't care. We're, we're doing this. And um, she, with tears in her eyes, uh, eventually gave me a list of what the children wanted. Me and my wife went out shopping, great experience, packed all the stuff up, wrapped all the stuff up, put it in the car. On Christmas Eve, we drive to the house. We wait until it's midnight. We take all the gifts out, put it on the front porch, ring the doorbell like crazy, and run. Christmas break happens. You know, eventually Christmas breaks over, the kids come back. A young man comes up to me, if I'm not mistaken, he was in seventh grade at the time, and he said, Coach Walton, Jesus answered my prayers. Jesus answered my prayers. Now, he also attends the Sherwood campus, so he may be down there hearing this for the very first time. But Jesus did because Jesus spoke to me the same way and told me to do that, and compassionate heart, we did it. It doesn't, my prayer is none of us ever have to experience the victim that the Samaritan ran up on. I pray that we don't ever have to do that. But man, you can still be impactful doing simple things. So at the end of service today, I know angel trees out there. There's, there's some family right now wondering how they're going to make ends meet with Christmas. What, what a movement that you could have and be a part of that. I think in the seatbacks in front of you, you've got these little white and green cars at Sherwood. You're going to get these handed out at the end of service. But on the back of them, it's simple things to do that you can love your neighbor. I mean, I'm not going to go all, all, all through all of these, but 
Man, if you're a child and you're like, how can I participate in this? If I'm in middle school, I don't drive, yada, yada, yada. There's so much you can do. You can go rake your neighbor's yard. All it costs you is some time. Write notes of encouragement to a nursing home. Tip your server double. Bring coffee to your child's teacher. Invite neighbors over to your house for dinner. Take donuts to the janitorial staff at work. There's a thousand things that you can do. I, I literally uh, spoke um, to a, a, a middle school, a middle and elementary school the other day, and they had just come back from Washington, D.C. on a field trip. And I asked them, I said, tell me what you saw. And they said, we saw the Lincoln Memorial. I said, that's good. We went to Thomas Jefferson's place. I said, that's good. We saw the White House. I said, that's good. What else did you see? There's a lot of people. I said, what else did you see? And somebody went, a bunch of homeless people. I said, say that again. He said, we saw a bunch of homeless people. And I said, man, we have that same thing in Augusta. And you don't have to wait to be Coach Walton's age or Pastor Keith's age to do something about it. You can do something about it now. They're looking at each other like, like what? And I was like, man, go clean your closet out. Not only would you be helping your mama and your daddy get rid of stuff that you don't wear that's just collecting dust, but somebody could actually use that. It sounds like something so simple, but it has a huge impact. You want to love your neighbor? Be good stewards of what you have. And when you're done with it, if you can pass it along, pass it along. The man who was robbed and beaten needed to receive the help offered to him. So I told you it was many different characters in this particular parable. We looked at the priest, we looked at the Levite, we looked at the Samaritan, but what about the victim? What about the one that's struggling? And man, I, I tell you, you know, we have second Saturday here, we have second Wednesday down in Sherwood, and the groups of people come through, they come through with different needs, but man, the demeanor of them are all the same. Head seems to be bowed, Struggling to even walk through the door, embarrassed, frustrated that they even got to ask for help. But praise God, they're, they, they've got their gifting stirred up enough to ask for help. And then praise God that, that, that we've been able to put volunteers around them that will love on them, that will take that whole beaten up demeanor and just throw it in the trash and then love on them. And you, you watch their heads lift up. You watch their heads lift up when they come through and we can call them by name. Hey, Chris. Hey, Tony. Good to see you. We dap each other up. The smile is on their faces. But if you've ever been the victim, it's not easy asking for help. And it seems like the worse your situation is, the more difficult it is to ask for help. To reach your hand out. But in this particular story, the victim, he needed to receive help because he couldn't help himself. Many of us, many of us may be in this particular situation, not from a physical standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint. That we're in a bad, we're in a bad place. And I don't know how to get out. I'm, I'm in quicksand and the harder I fight, the faster I sink. And if you've ever been in this particular situation in your life, you can't get out by yourself somebody's got to lend you a hand. Henceforth, we have J groups. We have access groups so that we can all help each other. Many hands make life, make life work. If no one stopped to help him, 
he wouldn't have made it. Some of us need to ask and receive help. That may be counseling professionally, not just your friend. I used to tell my students this all the time when they were struggling. They were like, well, I wouldn't talk to my best friend. Man, your best friend is as blind as you are. You need to seek wise counsel. Wise counsel means somebody that's been through what you've been through. Not, not, just, not just your best friend at your age. Many of us in this room may be struggling with some things. Seek wise counsel. And there's wisdom in that. Many of us may need prayer and or counseling. One time, uh, we were on another field trip. This time, it wasn't with high schoolers. It was with middle, middle schoolers. And we went to the CNN Center. And on this particular field trip, they have a snack before we go tour the CNN Center and then have lunch. And so I get off the bus. I got about 45 students with me. They all go up the steps and they sit down so nice. I'm like, man, your parents raised you so well. And then I roll out the coolers and I hand out these Kool-Aid pack things and then goldfish. And so they're drinking the Kool-Aid and eating the goldfish. They're drinking the Kool-Aid and eating the goldfish. And eventually I see a goldfish fly past my face and it hits this student. And then I see another goldfish or two past my face. And all of a sudden, it's just cheddar crackers just flying everywhere, hitting each other, just, just a mess. And as this is happening, literally maybe 20 feet from me, digging in a trash can, is a husband and wife couple eating out of the trash can while my kids threw away food because they didn't care. Oh, my goodness. When I tell you I got Jesus in the temple mad, I'm flipping over coolers. Throwing Kool-Aid packs, I light them up. Oh my goodness, Alex. So I bring them all into this huddle and I speak to them so that they can see the couple. And I said, you have the audacity to throw these goldfish around carelessly when no further than, and they can hear what we're saying. They're digging in the trash can looking for food. You pick every one of these goldfish up and you, you, I gave them a trash bag. And unfortunately, the trash can that we have to put it in is where the people were eating out of. And I said, every one of you to have an unopened pack of goldfish, bring them to me. So they did. And, I, and they watched me walk down and give goldfish and Kool-Aid packs. So when I turned around, I didn't tell them to come with me. So like the mass, like Tiger Woods, <laughs> the, the mass of children are just walking. And they're hearing, me, hearing this conversation. I turn around. And, like, they got tears in their eyes, which caused me to tear up. And if you've ever been to the Centennial Center, there's a lot of homelessness in that particular area. So before we had about 35 minutes, before we had to start our tour with the CNN Center, how about every one of those kids walked with me? Literally, it was their idea. Can we give our food to the people down there? They didn't see at first. Their eyes weren't open at first. But man, once they experienced that, their heart opened up and they had compassion. Children can do it. We can do it as well. There's another individual I want to bring out to you and we're going to close with this. It was the lawyer. The lawyer. In Luke 10, 25 through 29, it says, on occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So 
a lawyer. He was not a lawyer by definition of what you were thinking about, like going in the courtroom, either prosecuting or defending. He was not that type of lawyer. He was a lawyer that understood and, and literally lived the Mosaic law, not just the Ten Commandments. Like he knew all of them. I think it's 613 of them jokers. He knew all of them. And he was one of the ones that would point you out. Man, you wearing the wrong clothes. You going to hell for that. You can't wear that. That's against our religion. We, we don't do that. You got you to change your clothes. You can't eat that. That's the wrong thing to eat. You can't eat that. He knew the law. And Jesus knew he knew the law. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 613 laws summed up in two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm saying, thinking, that, God, why, why those two commands? Why those two commands? And it falls in line with seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. So love your God first. You pursue him first. And as you pursue him first, he opens your heart so that you can see with full compassion. So that you can love your neighbor as yourself. But sometimes we get it wrong. I want to love people first. I want to love my neighbor first. And then I'm doing it with the wrong intentions because now my flesh then got involved. And see, you know what? That guy that's at the end of the road at Bobby Jones Expressway at the end of that ramp at the light, I don't want to give him no money because he's probably going to take my money and go drink with it. He's probably going to take that, my money and go buy drugs with it. Right? It's not my responsibility what he does with that money. And I know for a lot of us, that was my train of thought. I'm just being transparent. Maybe you never thought that way, but that's how I thought. I'm going to give him this. He's going to do something wrong with it. But that's not me having compassion. That's not me seeking God first, foremost, getting filled up so now I can pour out God's word on him. And I just don't want to give him the word. Oh, no, no, that's like one of the worst things that we can do, seeing somebody that's starving and hungry, and we go, man, you know, I'm, 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 I'm willing to pray for you. He can't eat that. And we're laughing, but I'm so serious. God has called us to do more. We all attend a church that is a verb. It is action here. And you don't have to wait for, for the church to do something. I know we do engaged in the springtime. Phenomenal thing where we go out as J groups and we participate uh, in different community service projects. You ain't got to wait till J group time to do, I mean, to engage to do that. What if you were to champion a cause right now? There are several organizations in this church there are several organizations down at Sherwood that you could champion. What if your family decided to champion? What, what about the stewardship, mom and dad, that you'll be teaching your child about helping those in need? They don't have to wait until they're grown and an adult. And if you were to plant that seed now, the harvest that would come up out of it would be tremendous. We would literally shift our culture. We would shift our culture. And it would not have to be moderated by laws 
written in Congress. We got that word. And the word tells us what we're supposed to do. Man, what would it be like if we were to actually walk the word out? This, this lawyer that stood up to test Jesus, literally trying to catch Jesus doing something wrong so he could condemn him. This, this lawyer that memorized and lived by all of these laws. And Jesus tells him this parable. And literally in the parable, which neighbor are you? The Holy Spirit is in here today. I ask you, which neighbor are you? The priest, you know God's word, but you don't walk it out. So you go to the other side of the street. The Levite, who was not like a priest, but like a worker. So like if you're like a small group leader, a J group leader, Back in biblical times, you would be considered like a Levite. You knew the word and you were in a leadership position in the church where you're leading a group. Are you, are you the victim? Are you the Samaritan? Or are you the lawyer? Which one are you? When you leave this place today, there's several opportunities for you to serve. Don't just walk out of here the same way you came. Don't go to the other side of the street. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the message that you've given us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the challenge that you've given us. Jesus, we thank you so much for the parable that you taught from. Heavenly Father, if we are in leadership in your church in any way. Heavenly Father, allow us not to just see your word and hear your word and understand your word, Lord, but allow our heart to be open so that we may have compassion with your word and compassion as we impact others. Lord, thank you for this day. We praise you. We give you all honor and glory. In your son Jesus' name we pray. And we all say... Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.